All right, here we go to Monday. Adam Hill is here as a company. It's Steve Cofield. Ari is steering the ship. Big Monday on the way. Lots of NFL. We got uh, plenty of news in the world of VGK. Big trade. I'll ask Adam inside of uh, 10 minutes if there's more trades on the way. I was just on in Kansas City, and I had to give him the blanket answer on more trades. I'm like, I don't know, maybe goalie, because uh, suddenly things are getting more dicey uh, in goal. Adam is here. Ari, it's Cofield. I want to congratulate, coming right out of the gates, Edward de Guzman, who was the big winner of our VIP contest. You know, we've been giving away tickets for the Mountain West Conference Tournament. Everyone who won the last couple of weeks for the Mountain West Conference Tournament was in a VIP drawing for all sessions, VIP treatment. That's tickets for every single game coming up next week over at the Thomas and Mac with food and beverages and parking valued at over more than $1,000. So Edward is the winner. We have these prizes available Similar prizes like this available all the time, so you want to get in. I think there's a lot of people out there, Adam, who are like, I'm never going to win. You can win. Sure. You can win. You can win. So we're going to give away more Mountain West Conference tickets during the show. And again, the tournament goes down March 5th to the 11th at the Thomas and Mac. It would be real swell if folks came out, give a little home court advantage to the men for what they hope is a good run. And I really hope there's like four or 5,000 people out there for every single Lady Rebels game because they absolutely deserve it. Not saying the men don't, but they deserve it. And they're probably going to need it. You have a great advantage here with these tournaments being played in Vegas. These ladies are now 27-2 and and 17-0 and in conference. Uh, the 17-0 and has not come easy. There's been a bunch of close games. So imagine four or 5,000 fans in there. I mean, that can really change a game, and I don't know if the Lady Rebels are going to win the Mountain West Conference Tournament. I didn't check the, um, I almost said at IL, the net today, but they were 52 going into Saturday's game. Um, that could get them an at-large, but it doesn't guarantee it if they don't win the conference tournament. And looking at, and I'm not you know massively knowledgeable on Women's basketball, but looking at the net on Saturday, there actually were seven mid-major schools ahead of the Lady Rebels. So now you got you start watching all these mid-major conferences, and some of those teams get knocked off. Like, how many at-large bids are they going to hand out to mid-major teams? So the point is, get out, watch the games, support them. Lindy LaRocque, I'm sure, wants to stay around. I know she wants to see—she hasn't told me this, but I'm sure she wants to see more— Crowd support. You got something really good going on right now, and uh, they had senior day on Saturday. A lot of this is being done because of hometown ladies. Well, she said it publicly that she wants more fan support, so she I don't did. think she had to tell you. That. Well, I don't. I don't yeah. always want to like you know come across as like she told me yeah. she's leaving. If yeah. no one like no one said that, yeah. but her and Essence Booker, you know, were pretty public about it about three weeks ago, and Larock comes on the floor after every game and says, hey, we got another game coming up. I mean, that's kind of unique that you have to go out and you know, kind of pitch the program. But she does it. She does it willingly. The crowd that is there is great. There were probably 3,000 people there in the Cox Pavilion on Saturday, and I thought it made a really big difference because San Diego State was really, really tough with a lot of uh, high-profile transfers who played pretty well. Yeah, and you see, you, know, you see all around the country, this is the week, and I – I actually was telling uh, somebody that was asking me about betting this week the other day. I was like, this week you see a lot of teams that are really, really good lose because they their focus is on the tournament. They're looking far ahead. And I'm not saying this is what they're – You're saying the men's teams that think they're in. Yeah. You see it all over – every single year. It's hard. This week you see teams lose that shouldn't lose 
And people are like, what? How did that happen? Teams looking ahead to the tournament. Well, on, the, for the on, tournament. on the flip side, what are teams doing? This is it. Yeah. It's, it's like one last hurrah. Hey, this, this is our last chance to freaking get in. And then they play above their normal level. And maybe they play beyond their inconsistency that had them go 500 or below in conference. Yeah. So, you know, so, I mean, we talk about that on you know, the men's side, the women's side. Lady Rebels are going to have to try to avoid that because, as you said, there is still work to do for them uh, here as the season closes. But they've been phenomenal. And I think the fact that they've had some close games is a good thing. Uh, a lot of times you see teams that dominate conferences like this not be battle-tested at this time of year. And there's, there's certainly been some games where they have been blowout victories that haven't been close. Uh, you know, the game last week yeah, comes crazy. to mind where I think they were up like 80 uh, in the first quarter. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you you know, you have to be on the lookout for those things. But I think this team is uh, is ready to close strong. Are the Golden Knights ready to close strong? They make a trade in Ivan Barbashev. They trade first round pick. From 2021, sure. Okay. They've done this before. Yeah, this is this. They are the Rams. F them picks. That's the well. They make the, the golden knights. They make, they the, make picks. the pick. They don't just send the pick away. Make the picks. Develop players. And then once they're F in them, position, F them kids. We pick. Yeah, uh, gonna, that's not going to be on a t shirt. F them prospects. F them uh, prospects. That's okay. what that's what they do. Uh, so yeah, we've seen them do this before. Like they, they are a team that knows that there's a window, and they are trying to take advantage of it as long as they possibly can, and try to extend it as long as they can. Uh, by hey, we're not going to wait for guys to develop. We're going to go use these guys that are developing, and you know use their potential, leverage their potential into NHL players. That's what they've done. That's what they've consistently done over the years, and we see them do it again. Uh, there was a need to bring in a forward, I think, in their mind for a couple of reasons. One, they, they needed a guy like Barbashev for what he can bring, but also they needed a body. They're down to 12 guys in terms of the forward group. So basically if there's one more injury, it's it's calling up guys from for the minors and trying to fill in. So uh, they needed another NHL guy. Uh, at this stage of the season, and they go out and do that, and and you know I think it's it's a solid move. It's not a move that's gonna you know transfer the entire team. It's not gonna move that's gonna you know set the world on fire. He's not gonna be the reason that they win, you know potentially in the playoffs, but he's gonna be a piece that certainly helps them and uh, bring something to the table for them, which is in his case a guy that can get to the net, play a little gritty, play physical. Uh, he'll be I think he's fourth right now in terms of hits on the team um, as he comes in, so he'll he'll mix it up. Get to the net, kill off some power plays. That's his role, and uh, they needed that kind of guy, and they believe they needed that guy, and they went and found him. So good news on the reinforcement front. Not so great news over the weekend as they lose a tough one, and did they lose another goalie? Looks like it. Uh, there is there is an injury now again. And this, uh, was, af- this was after Boursois did what in the game? Made one of the saves of the uh, – people say the save of the year. It could be the save of the decade. It could be in that mix. It was unbelievable – uh, in ter- especially in terms of where it was in the game. I mean, it ended up not necessarily mattering because they got they only got one point anyway. But um, to just kind of roll over, flip your body back, and blindly throw your glove out and try to block a shot was incredible. I think I'm sure everybody's seen it at this point. It's been blown up on TikTok and on Instagram and everywhere else as people are watching the highlight. But at some point in that game, uh, he did suffer an injury. So... Boswell, who comes in and plays really, really well for a couple of games, gives them a boost. Doesn't look like he's going to be out necessarily very long, uh, but another injury uh, that this team has to deal with, and Michael Hutchinson comes up to kind of take his place for a while. Who? Michael Hutchinson comes up uh, to uh, to join the team. Tell the audience who he is. a little bit of depth. The goalie, you're bringing him up from uh, from the minors. He's been there a little bit. Uh, obviously, Boswell was getting most of the playing time in the minors. He came up. Uh, so now Hutchinson steps in and 
Uh, we'll see what uh, what he can bring to them. I, I'm sure that their hope is that he's there to be a backup for a couple of games, and then Boussois back, and then Hutchinson can go back to the minors. That's that's the plan right now, but you never know with injuries how they're going to shake out, especially with this team. And uh, like, you know, day-to-day has turned into week-to-week and month-to-month and uh, everything in between. So uh, I'm sure the hope is that he's just here for a few days and provides them a little bit of depth in an emergency situation, and then Brassois can come back. You know, on the injury thing in the last couple of years, have they been more snake bitten than others, or are we hyper focused because they're their local team? Oh, last year it was it was near a record. Last year, they, I mean, they were it was unbelievable in terms of not only man hours lost or you know game man games lost, but also uh, money. Uh, you know, amount of money that they had spent on guys that weren't able to play. It was it was preposterous how much. Uh, how much time they missed last year. So this year hasn't about, been quite as this bad. Year, yeah. This year hasn't been quite as bad, but it's it's who it is, right? Last year it was the the it was both the the level of player that it was and the amount of time that it was. This year it's more just level of player, but they're losing top end guys. I mean, Eichel missed a bunch of time. Mark Stone, the captain, has missed uh, a bunch of time, and is, is going to be out for even longer. Robin Leonard has been out all season. Uh, kind of forget about that one because yeah. it was it was decided so long yeah. ago. But it it does matter. Yeah, it matters for sure, and so. Uh, yeah, it's it's key guys, key players on this team that have been missing, and Mark Stone's going to continue to be out, which is just such a massive loss for this team. You covered the XFL over the weekend, the home opener. I did. For the Vipers. Let's get into that and what happened in the game. The attendance was, we'll say, modest. I saw someone who posted that XFL outsider say, the XFL needs to be honest with itself that Vegas isn't going to work as a city in this league. Why not? We've already decided that. After one freaking home game? Really? Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve Cofield and at Adam Hill LVRJ. Or tweet the show at Cofield and Co. Welcome back to Orlando here with Coach Buckley. Coach, how do you change this momentum? We got to get different guys in there. Obviously, we got, I got guys out there that are not competing, that are not making plays. So we got to get people in there, young men that want to play, that want to compete and make plays. I just saw you walk up and down this sideline and look some guys in their faces. What did you see out of your team? I'm seeing guys not performing. Look at the scoreboard. They got to perform. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. All right, roll it on here on a Monday. You hear uh, Terrell Buckley. That was not a good game. Well, it was a good game for one side. What sure. the hell happened to Orlando? Uh, guys didn't, young young men didn't want to compete. They had to look him in the eyes and tell, tell him, well, to get out there. We got some points finally in some of these games. Well, some of them. Yeah. Especially that one. Not the Vipers game. Yeah. We'll uh, get to the Vipers. Yeah. But yeah, there was, uh, there was a little bit more scoring. I, I think people are settling in a little bit, figuring out. Um, I, it is difficult, and I think one of the things, and especially being there in person and kind of seeing it um, in that sense, in that light, instead of you know watching it on TV, is offensive lines are struggling a little bit, and I think that's kind of a hard thing to put together. Uh, it's the communication, it's the cohesiveness, all those things. It's tough, and you know some teams are going to get it together, and some teams might not, and I think that'll be the teams that you know succeed a little bit and score some points in this league. You love the access, though, right? In the right. middle of a game, because that's what you get sometimes. Right. Yeah, you're going to get emotional coaches who are going to speak from the cuff. Yeah, and I was kind of uh, I was talking to Stormy on the field uh, before the game on Saturday. She's uh, you Stormy? know obviously doing the uh, sideline reports. Bonatoni used to be yeah. a VGK. Well, I think sideline most, reporter. I would think now most people, with 
not everyone listens every day. Um, and now with uh, Vsin, but yeah, sure. she's doing sidelines for the XFL and ESPN. Sure, uh, I was talking to her before the game and about, and, and she's talking about just the adjustment of, okay, you're usually a sideline reporter, and as, as you know, doing the job, it's like all right, you kind of do your reports, and then you wait for halftime and talk to a coach going in, and that's the access that you get. And now they say do whatever you want, and she said like the first week you're like, and talk to whoever anytime, any anything like okay, and it was kind of a you know a hesitant start. A little bit, and she's just kind of figuring it out. Like, okay, I talk to this person, do this, and uh, and then you know you have some of the reporters that, like jumped in the celebration in the end zone and started talking to guys. And she was like, okay, I, I guess that's what we're doing now. It's I don't, a whole I, new world. I think Trying she until uh, they tell you you can't do it. She said she may not be doing that. She's like, I don't know. That I'm going to go get in the end zone celebration, but yeah. as soon as they're walking off the field, like let's oh. go, let's let's talk to guys. That uh, that Nevada UNLV game. What was it? Was it 19? Yeah, 19. Where they started brawling. In the end zone, it was wild, and I was in the end zone walking towards the fight. And I told you, I put up, I put my hand on a lineman's shoulder, and I was like, "Let me get him out of this. Let me get him out of this fracas." And then I'm like, "What am I doing?" Can you imagine with a live mic? Like, what's going on, guys? Like Noah Bean, who are you punching down there? That's what you can do if you're in the XFL, if you're an XFL sideline reporter. Kenan Oblad, are you okay? Are you knocked out after that Reno player got gotcha? you? Start screaming at a fan. What are well, you throwing? That, what what brand beer is that that you're throwing at us, sir? Would that would that not be fascinating? Would be great. <laughs> but that's the XFL opens it up, and you yeah. hear players yelling at teammates, and coaches yelling at players, and coaches expressing displeasure. Like that that's the fun stuff that you see from this. How much are they mic'd up during the game and on the field? A lot of players are. It's it's a it's a, a slight delay, I believe, because I think that they're trying to catch yeah. certain things that they're like, ah, oh, we don't want this out there. This is probably not the best thing. And I know I watching week one, one of the games, and I wish I remember which one it was, the announcers were saying that they were they were like, you know, it's an adjustment for us too, the guys in the booth, because they were saying we have all these feeds and our producers have all these feeds and we're hearing some things from players that we certainly can't put on the air. And we're trying to, you know, we're trying to sort through all of it and sift through all of it. But like if you knew what was going on right now, it's shippy. Trust us. Yeah. Like, it's chippy out there. So, like, there, there are certain things that they, they have that are not shown on. And uh, the reality show also is uh, is big, too, because they're using a lot of that footage for the reality show. DeAndre Francois. Former Florida State quarterback. Okay, with? Right now? Yeah. Can't even remember. Orlando? Okay. Could be. Did we get a hot mic on him? Uh, yeah, he was, he was mic'd up in the huddle. He came into the game. He was a, a substitute. Uh, came in late and was – they were in a goal line situation. He was trying to call a play. And there was other guys talking. Like guys were like, "What about this play? What about this?" Like, okay, I'm calling the play here, and he had to talk to his teammates. All right, all right, no soundbite. We trust you on that. It got heated. Uh, yeah, basically, he was calling the play, and some of his teammates started saying, "I like this. What about this?" Because they're at the goal line. Everybody has some uh, some thoughts. And he turned to his lineman who was yelling, like, what about this play? And said, STFU. All right, tight. Act two, hot. All right, tight. Belly left. Act two. Still belly left. Shut the up, y'all. Listen. Act two, hot. On one on one. Ready? Nothing worse than when an offensive lineman suggesting that was a play call. Awesome. Very matter of fact. <laughs> Shut the blank up, y'all. If I'm a coach, I'm like, good job. Good work in the huddle. Take control. I, I find that fascinating. Of course. Because even those of us who are on the sidelines, we don't, we're not in the huddle. No. That is I awesome. I love that. Uh, that that's the, the stuff from the XFL that I think people can embrace and can really enjoy. So I, I think the biggest challenge for this league is just getting the word out. Right? And getting viewers. Yeah. 
Because the stuff they're doing on TV is really cool. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I enjoy it very much, uh, absolutely. And it, but it's, you know, I think the the concept that the XFOs had of, hey, there's no break in football. We're jumping right back into it. Part of it is there are people that after the Super Bowl are like, okay, I actually have a weekend to do chores and to right. do things around the house right. and to do things I have been putting off for you know twenty weeks because of football every Sunday and Saturday. So there is that element of okay, maybe you don't need it right away. Uh, they have didn't they want talk about to, that. Has have there been suggestions like, hey, let's start maybe start after the NFL draft or start like three weeks out when people are starting to get juiced up about the draft? Yeah, I think they're trying to figure that part out and just kind of you know see what it is. But this is there's been a lot of spring leagues that have tried, so I think they've they've had that research over time. They've had that you know market you know information of. What do people want? And I think this is what they've they've kind of settled on, but maybe it'll take a couple of weeks to to be there. And I think there is like that trust level, right? Of do you want to get that invested when it's happened twice before and it's gone away? Like I think there are people waiting to see if it's successful or if it works before they jump in. But like the football is good, and I, I almost think they're a victim a little bit early on of it's it's almost too good. Of really, yeah, because I think there is there's people that are like, hey, I'll watch a Springly, I want some clown show, like I want some goofiness. I want you know just guys dropping balls or you know, like things that you don't you just don't see. You're like I kind of want a a, a a circus a little bit, and you don't get that. You just get solid, not spectacular play. I think huh. it's just a, a a good league. All right. So what happened to the Vipers? Second half happened it, two weeks in a row. So what was, what happened in the first half? They were they were good. They they struggled to move the ball, but their defense was dominant. Again, uh, they, they had a six nothing lead at half, um, just controlling the game. I mean. You know, it's one of those. Uh, you know, hockey has the deserve to win a meter. Like if one team has the better shots, uh, you say, okay, they probably should be in the lead. I would say that you would think DC should have been leading at halftime, based on the way the game was going. Uh, the Vipers forced a fumble inside the the two yard line, so they basically walked it in on the next play, and then they the DC answered with a drive all the way down to the two yard line, then fumbled inside the two yard line. So like that, that's two pretty kind of huge swing plays right there that DC probably should have been in the lead. They weren't. The Vipers had a lead, but it was 6 nothing. They controlled it. They were actually moving the ball a little bit, uh, not consistently, but there was times that they were able to move it. Um, and then halftime happened for the second straight week. Last week, Rod Woodson said, We've, we need to figure something out in halftime because it's 10 minutes. You don't know. You know, you can't really change everything, but you have to stay you know, excited and you know, fired up, and we just came out flat. What can you do? This week, there was actually four extra minutes of halftime. It's really inside, but um, because there was scaffolding where the broadcast booths were, so some that. of the coaches were up there. Yeah. So they added four extra minutes to halftime so that coaches so could get, get and down. down. Yeah. And because it's a little bit of a process for players, because obviously the, the locker rooms are in the dugout or behind the dugout in the clubhouse at Cashman Field because it's a baseball stadium. Right. So you have to go one single file to walk into the locker room. So it takes forever. So it kind of takes forever. So they added four minutes, which that makes sense to me, right? I so mean, wait, why are, they're on scaffolding because what the press box is too low? Uh, I think it's more not I, the press box, but yeah, it's not really equipped with like separate rooms. Yeah, like you would have at a football stadium, right? So I think they don't want everybody in the same spot. Yeah, so there was right, like actually, I wonder how I I can't remember when you look at this the the press box. So that's on the left side as you're looking at you know the actual structure, and then as you move down, that's all like VIP and dining. Are there boxes there? Are there se- like you, you? Can you even separate the coaches? So that's why they're putting them on scaffolding. Well, and I, I think it's just more. It's right on the field too, where instead of like 
behind home plate is probably not the best place for like the game to be called either. Right. right. Um, Hadn't thought about logistics so, yeah. with this. So logistics with that but, stadium. But I think they did a really good job with it. Yeah. I mean, it, it was you know, everybody was comfortable up there. There was a lot of testing done. I know that, and uh, they got it done. So. That was all there. They, they gave them four extra minutes at halftime. Whatever happened in there, they just came out and were a disaster. They couldn't move the ball at all defensively. Uh, the, the DC started running. They just ran one play, basically. Uh, Rod Woodson said they were running two plays. It wasn't really two plays. It was one. It was just either the you know the quarterback puts the ball in the belly of the running back and either gives it to him or keeps it, and Vegas couldn't stop it. Derek King, uh, you know, a lot of people might remember, played at Houston, was a Heisman candidate, went to Miami. You know, pretty high-level college football player. He came in at quarterback. They just ran that play. He said, I think we caught it 15 times <laughs> in the second half, and they couldn't stop it. And that's what Rod Woodson said. They're they running the same play. We can't stop it. And that's that's what happened. They ran uh, like um, 170 yards on the ground in the second half, and the the Vipers only had seven total first downs in the game. It was It was brutal. More XFL coming up. We'll uh, talk to Brett Hundley, one of the quarterbacks in the – Five o'clock hour, but we get a lot more on the Vipers game. If you want to get out to a Vipers game, you can go to Ticketmaster.com. Tickets as low as twenty-five bucks. They play this Saturday against Seattle, so go out and check out some XFL football. We'll have a lot more on the game. We'll talk about the starting quarterback in Luis Perez. But on the way back, I mean, there's a big week. We got to get all the travel plans, all the details, the excitement. Man, there can't be anyone more excited in this studio than Adam Hill going to Indianapolis for the NFL Combine. Want the skinny on UNLV football? Listen to the weekly UNLV All Access podcast with Cofield and Caleb Herring. A new episode drops each Thursday morning at UNLV All Access on Twitter. Now for Barbershev, wide open. Church, he scores! Barbershev! Now back to the goal, O'Reilly. For Shen, tip, they score! And Barbershev gets it right back, and it's 2-1. to one. Now... Back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. All right, new player for the Vegas Golden Knights. Couple goals there, courtesy of uh, Valleys. Barbie. Barbershev. I've been a Barbershev. I'm into it. I'm into it. We'll talk more about that with uh, Darren Panger. We're going to try to track down Panger inside of 10 minutes and then a uh, bunch of hockey spots this week. We'll have Darren Millard on tomorrow and we'll see who else we can wrangle up as uh, the Knights are trying to fortify things around a lot of injuries. Barbershev. Traded for. So, Adam, I know you were mostly available or unavailable at the end of the week, and then you corrected me and said, well, you know what, uh, maybe Friday I could be available, maybe. And then you said something about the USC, and I'm like, what? I'm like, you cover the NFL. Indianapolis was what, your number three city in all the NFL to travel to? It was four. Number four, the Combines this week. Yeah. What the hell is going on? This is a massive weekend in Vegas, including. Wait, can I do it? Well, you're also, mention, you are forgetting. Can I mention his name or not? Well, or right now is it, is it, no, you're you're forgetting one key aspect of Fight Week. It is Fight Week, but we were told it's Raiders related Fight Week. Ooh, I forgot John Jones, Chandler Jones. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So no combine. You do not get to go on an adventure. Indianapolis, your favorite city. No. This is where you hobnob. Fourth favorite. That's true. That is that's gonna be uh that's gonna be difficult. I've already got yeah. a bunch of texts where are we in dinner. I'm like, I'm not here. Really? Yeah. <laughs> You've already had dates set up informally. Sure. Networking opportunities so for John sure. Jones. The Chandler Jones fight week. Has ruined it for you. Yeah. Are you are you gonna be allowed into the fight? That's another question. We might, have to, a, we might have to visit that 
Six Might have some more issues to, to get into. Very with, fair, uh, it's a very fair question. Oh, that's why. Yeah, Sitting down with John cool. tomorrow. Hopefully that still happens. We'll find John out. Jones, yeah. yeah we'll oh, find that's out. why I love slap fighting. Maybe, also, maybe uh, you should jump on board, buddy. Also, the Raiders contingent. I, this is, man. How jacked up are they? Well, I'm also, they're, they're not staying in Indy very long. Oh, the Raiders there's, aren't. There's big, uh, there's big things developing this weekend Ooh. here. So okay, not not on field related. So are they go on Rams related and f the pick. Is that no, what no, you're no. hinting at? I just mean there's They're there's a, like we don't need we don't need to analyze any of what the there's combat. a major in addition to the fight, which is a Raiders related fight on Saturday. There's a major major social gathering on Saturday involving the Raiders. So uh, I don't think anybody's going to be around at Indy very long. Oh wow, okay. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So big fight week. I'm into it. You know, John Jones is one of my favorite. Very uh, mercurial. Um, I saw a picture of a video of his back, and I think I mistook who it was. I saw someone in a in a John Jones workout pulling off a trip. Was John Jones getting tripped, or he was the tripper? Did you see this video? Uh, yeah. It's he was delivering the trip. I'm too distracted by how jacked he is. That was my thing. I saw him from behind. I'm like. Why is John Jones getting tripped by Francis Ngannou? <laughs> I actually thought it was Francis Ngannou from behind. Is John Jones like 280 now? Is he going to have to cut weight? He might. I, his, I, legs I, are, his legs are very small, you know, as compared to normal heavyweights. But my God, on, on top, this is a former, you know, a 205 or the greatest light heavyweight in the sports history. I heard he was 260. Wow. Um, he looks it up top, man. He's yeah, bulky. Yeah. But again, his, his, uh, his old claim about having too skinny of legs to be a real athlete uh, maybe is coming into play. They are they are smaller than you would think. But we always said but that was bull, that was of bull course, crap. Of course it is. His brother, Art, played in the NFL, played at Syracuse, played at 6'3", 320. Chandler is what? Pushing 6'5", and 265? John was always walking around at like 225, 230. Yeah. You know if he wanted to go away from trying to stay slim all the time, he could weigh 245, 250. Pretty easily because he's he's a gigantic dude. He's a long six four guy. Yeah, and he's jacked, and he's, it's his heavyweight debut wow. debut coming back after two years. So um, a huge, massive fight for him coming up uh, Saturday on a, on a really big fight card over at T Mobile, uh, which is I mean th- this is low key like a massive sports weekend in Vegas. Well, it's not low key; it's gigantic. But it's it's not like the biggest biggest right, events, right. right? It's 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 going to be crowded here. You know, with you're right, we'll say secondary sports. But they're right behind the big three. Yeah, like it's NASCAR, but the actual, you know, the big NASCAR race is Sunday, but it's a whole day of NASCAR events on Saturday. There's the John Jones fight, a huge event at T-Mobile Arena. There's the Lady Rebels. There's the West Coast Conference Tournament. There's like all these things that are happening mm. coming up on on Saturday. Uh, just all over the XFL game at Cashman, of course. Uh, all these things are coming up on Saturday. So uh, there's just a ton of things happening this March month. is going to be a crazy month. It is. It's going to be a really crazy month because we have March Madness to the way we do it for the opening round, and then we're going to have the West Regional here. I was talk- talking to somebody who's a huge college basketball fan, and like, they, they didn't I can't believe the regionals are here. They're like, when? What year? And I was like, this yeah, year. Yeah. I, uh, there's a lot of people who don't know. <laughs> crazy. Well, because everyone focuses on the first week, March Madness, the, you know, the four days. Like, no, there's a regional here. By the way, we're going to talk to Joe Lenardi, the king of bracketology, in the 4 o'clock hour about how the Mountain West is doing in terms of getting teams in and West Coast Conference Tournament and the West Regional and what he's got in terms of seedings right now. Also in March, we got Bonnie Raitt. So we got a bunch of concert tickets we're giving away. Bonnie Raitt tickets right now. She's playing March 15th, 17th, 18th, Venetian Theater, Ticketmaster.com. I was just at the Venetian Theater over the weekend watching Chicago. Oh, boy, that was good. Boy, that was good. 
Bonnie Raitt is at that same theater, March 15th, 17th, 18th. Ari's got two tickets right now. Ticketmaster.com is where you can grab your tickets. But we've got two to Bonnie Raitt at the Venetian, 15th, 17th, 18th of March, 364-1100, caller 7. Wednesdays, it's the Kevin Kruger Radio Show at 5 p.m. on Raider Nation Radio 920 a.m. Back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota studio. All right, rolling on. Let's get into the trade the Golden Knights just made of uh, Barbashev. They move a 2021 first-round pick, an actual player in the deal. Adam is here. It's Cofield. Let's bring on uh, one of the voices of the Blues, national voice on TNT. Of course, played the game. Darren Pang is up with Cofield and Company. Darren, how are you? Good. How are you doing? We're good. We're good. So give me your take on this trade. Excellent. I, you know, I'm, I'm thinking that uh, that something needed to be added, and, and uh, I've told many people what uh, what Barbie brings to the table. He can bring everything. He's a Swiss Army knife. So, I mean, for for a team looking for one thing in particular, then um, you know, then maybe he's not that cup of tea. If, if you're looking for a guy that can be on the penalty kill, uh, that if you're an aggressive team and you want somebody on the forecheck to finish checks, that's Barbie. A uh, guy that can play the left wing, right wing, center, and he's always been a big part of the penalty kill of the Blues. And other than the first part of the year this year, Blues penalty kill has always, they've been top probably seven, maybe in the last, what, six, seven years. And so, uh, you know, so he, he's a big part of that. So if you're talking about playoff hockey, I think that's what he, that's what he is. He's, he's a guy that comes up big in playoffs. How close do you think this Knights team is? I mean, it feels like all year we've been talking about that they haven't been able to put it together, they haven't played their best hockey, they've had injuries, and yet every single time you look, they're in first place and they just keep racking up points. Well, it is amazing. I think when you've got a group of players that have, you know, been there before, or, you know, you've got that certain um, leathered skin or whatever you might want to call it, guys that can handle it. Uh, I don't know. You get a new voice, and Bruce Cassidy's a longtime friend of mine, and I know what kind of coach he is and how he can get the most out of guys. Um, yet, but it is surprising this year more than ever. I, I got to be honest with you. The other day, I, I, re- I looked at the standings, and I hadn't really. I, I'm looking at them all the time, but I'm like, wait a second. They got 74 points. <laughs> I thought, you know, it looked like Vegas might be dropping a little bit, and, and then and then bang, they just find, you know, they find their way there. I one thing about Bruce Cassidy is he just he's not a quitter. I mean, he just that's what makes him a great coach. He uh, in every single game, every single period, um, every single segment of five games, he's gonna he's gonna muster up the best plan forward going going and and getting get you know getting whatever team he's coaching into into the right spot, and that's exactly where Vegas is right now. I'm glad you brought up Bruce and uh, and mentioning being friends with him because I'd I'd love to get into uh, into him a little bit because to me every time I'm around him he seems miserable. I love the guy. He seems <laughs> such a he's such a great coach. Seems like a really good dude. I just feel so bad he doesn't seem happy ever. <laughs> I couldn't be further from the truth. I know. Bruce Cassidy. <laughs> maybe listen. Maybe there's something you're doing. Maybe he doesn't be. like you. No, it's what, <laughs> like when he's answering Don't questions. What I'm saying is, like, I think he's, a, I think he is a good dude. Like, I like him so much, but I'm just like, man, like everybody likes you. Just be happy. Yeah, you know, I think he. It, it's interesting with Bruce. He's a, and he always has. When we we played uh, together on a the Memorial Cup winning team in in Ottawa with the '67s, and then uh, we both were part of the Blackhawks organization. So we we played together in Chicago for a brief period of time. We played in. Saginaw together, and we played in Indianapolis together for Daryl Sutter, and we won a championship there. So, I think there's five different teams that I played on with Bruce. So I know him that well, and but I also know that he's a, 
You know, he he thinks the game a lot. Like he he's a uh, he's he's always on. Um, always has a great like analytical eye. And if you've heard, you know, you guys have heard him break down a game, break down a uh, or or prepare for a game from the other team. Um, I I had once called him, and I think he might have been working in the East Coast Hockey League, and I was working at TSN, and I was on the panel, and we were hot stoving as to who would be great to bring on the panel. And I kept thinking of Bruce, and I think I might have touched base with him, maybe a text or maybe calling him and and kind of saying, hey, if you're ever not wanting to do that anymore, I think you'd be great in TV. And so uh, things worked out well for him. Um, I I know he gets you know, more than most TV guys, that's for sure, doing what he's doing. But I, I, what I'm saying is I thought, always thought that his, uh, his analysis and the way he could break something down and the way he could describe things um, and his memory recall is just phenomenal. But um, uh, as far as the looking a little happier, well, I don't know. We'll, uh, we'll have to work on that. Maybe the temperature of his pool is too cold. We'll have to get that warmed up. <laughs> he's, he's in first place every single year. It's, it's good. And, but you're right. His, his ability to break, even in the press conference after the game, to oh. break down a play that happened in the first period and just with the detail that he does is absolutely incredible. I, I haven't seen much like it. I've covered a lot of coaches in hockey and football and, and other places. Like that guy, that guy can break down anything that happened in a game. It's wild. Yeah. I mean, that's you either have that or you don't. You know, <laughs> I mean, you know, some guys, they need to go back and look at it again, which is understandable. And, you know, some guys just, quite frankly, you know, don't capture every every single picture uh, during the game. And, you know, Bruce just, he's on. He's on like that. He's on all the time. And I, and I think, too, the other thing is, I mean, there's always, there's a lot of pressure. There's pressure, you know, in Boston, there's pressure every single day. And last year they had 105 points. Um, he goes to Vegas, where, as we know, expectations because that first year are incredibly high, and and so you know I think every coach that's that's either been well that's been in any one of those organizations you're you know you're you're never off and you can never kind of just you know you're not relaxing too much because you're it's great that's what you're in that job for because the pressure's on. Darren Pang, follow him on Twitter at Panger Forty. Great insights up there as well as uh, on the broadcast as you as you well know out there. Uh, you uh, you know a little bit about goaltending and the uh, the Golden Knights uh, have. Piece together a goaltending tandem and, and a goaltending group this year that has worked out well. It, it, what have you seen from them, and do you think that part of their game is sustainable enough? We know and again, Laurent Brassois just got hurt. Uh, Logan Thompson, you know, went down. Like they're they're piecing it together, but it's been a, a little bit of a battle for them. Uh, are they good enough to compete where they have to be? Well, I mean, that's an age old question for a lot of teams that are out there right now. It's funny that they're 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 the the you know the Golden Knights are in a spot where you know these injuries are, are mounting and. Uh, and, and yet you still continue to plot along. And then there's other teams that are so good. I mean, the Toronto Maple Leafs just bulked up, and what's the question coming in the playoffs? It's going to be, is the goaltending good enough? Uh, Colorado Avalanche won the Cup last year. Before last year, was, is the goaltending good enough? Well, Darcy Kemper ended up doing pretty well right there. So, you know, I think that's that's something that's always going to live with, with every single team that's that's out there. Now, what what I find amazing, and, and I'm corrected, it's 76 points uh, for Vegas, but what I, I find really amazing is is how they've done it with that group of guys, you know, taking nothing away. And I know Logan's a really great kid, and, and he's really um, gone through it all to get to where he's at, and I cheer for that guy. The first time I, I saw him after a game, I wanted to go in the locker room, and I did, and I wanted to introduce myself just to say hello, and I can't believe you, you're here uh, from where you traveled from, you know, and, and I wanted to kind of congratulate him. And, you know, since that time, I look for him, I cheer for him, I want to see how he's doing. And so... Uh, but you know, as as you well know, once you get to the playoffs, you need your number one guy going, and not just a number. You need a number one guy that has the resilience, uh, the resolve, 
enough to know that if the first game doesn't go well and you give up six goals, you know, do you have bounce-back ability? I mean, is the team able to look back and say, okay, he's going to be just fine? Or is the team going to look back and say, oh, my goodness, his, you know, he's got those big eyes that are, look like they're a little afraid. So that's the biggest key, and looks to me like Logan has the ability to lead the team, and, um, and I'm not sure how good he is in, in, you know, in, a, in a playoff round. It's, it's really difficult to know until you're there and you're facing the same shooters and potentially go seven games and, you know, the pressure mounts in your own building. You might lose a key game in your own building, and how do you react? So that, those are all the same things that I saw in 2019 with Jordan Bennington. And so anybody that says, oh, I'm not sure we got the goaltender, he doesn't have the experience, you can go back to a number of different goaltenders that have played in the history of the National Hockey League, and you can say, well, that guy did it, that guy did it, and that guy did it, so why can't our guy do it? And I think that's the confidence that you have to have moving forward. I mean, if you want to question every single thing in life, then I think that's, that, that drains on you. I think you've got to look at the positives of everything in life and tell yourself, I, you know, I, I, why can't he do it? We've got 76 points. I'm looking. Now I'm really shocked. Two points more than Dallas. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. That's pretty darn. That's pretty darn impressive, and I think that's put that puts Butchie right into the uh, into the talk for the uh, for the Jack Adams Award right there. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. And look, they they have a nine game point streak right now. They're somehow piecing it together and playing well. And we saw you know last you know, a couple nights ago now uh, they weren't able to get two points. They did get a point, keep that point streak going. Uh, we saw Laurent Boisseau make an absolutely incredible save. Uh, as as a former goaltender, how good was it? We were blown away by it as people that can't even skate. But how good was that save? <laughs> yeah, uh, pretty remarkable, actually. Um, you know, he's 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 a unique goaltender, and uh, you know he's been through it um, on a number of different teams. And uh, to make that kind of save, that's one for the ages. There, there. It's not quite Linus Olmark scoring, uh, you know, <laughs> scoring a goal from from the other end. Um, but it's still it was a pretty darn good play for sure. Great save. Who uh, who should the Knights be worried about in the West? Um, well, I always think that like my, my team, kind of as it's gone on, has been Dallas. Um, you know, number one, I, I saw them up front last year when they I did a lot of games on TNT uh, between the benches. Actually, with Shane Knighty, and, and I think might have covered a few of them because um, we worked together the next round with Colorado. And but I remember the the, the Calgary series that was such a great series, and especially. Uh, you know, considering the goaltender of Jake Ottinger. So right away you think back and you go, okay, Jake Ottinger's capable of doing that. Well, then that will be a tough out. To me, you know, the L.A. Kings are still a team that, I don't know, they're positionally sound. They're, you know, there's going to be question marks about their goaltending as well. There's going to be question marks about Edmonton's goalie. There's going to be question marks about Seattle's goalie. Uh, probably the most sound goaltenders, if he gets his game going and if they make the playoffs, which I'm not sure if they are, but when Markstrom was on last year, he was on. But he's been really off the mark this year. Um, Winnipeg's got solid goaltending, as we know. And then uh, Colorado, Georgiev's, you know, he seems to be finding his way. And Minnie's goaltending's been very up and down. Philip Gustafson's kind of taken it over lately in the last, what, maybe talking even 18 of the last 22 games. He's, he's given up two or less goals against. But all in all, I would say this West is as wide open as I've seen in an awful long time. I think it's uh, it's there for the taking. So, I mean, you could have a young goaltender like like Logan going up against a you know a young goaltender, um, you know, like Jake Ottinger, or you could go up against Georgiev. I mean, who's? You know, I don't think there's anybody really imposing out there. Ottinger would be one. Hellebuck would be the other one. But other than that, I, I think it's wide open in that department. 
How that the voice of Darren Pang joining us here on Kofi and Company on this Monday? How big nationally? I mean, here it would be massive, but a Stars Golden Knights Pete DeBoer versus Bruce Cassidy Western Conference Final. How big would that be on a national stage? Oh, it'd be. I mean, you know, going into a series, it would be so much talked about. I mean, and then once the series starts, you 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 know, you start breaking it down, and you go into who's making the best adjustments during the game, and. And, uh, you know, who's saying the right things and, you know, but all in all, I would have to say that all the coaches that have, that have replaced the previous coach have all done so well. And that's pretty impressive. Winnipeg's done phenomenal with Bones. Uh, DeBoer's done great in his spot in Dallas. You know, you know the story on and on and on. So it's, it, it, it's pretty impressive. And Jim Montgomery has done a phenomenal girl, uh, a phenomenal job when you, when you think about the work that, that, that he's done taking over for Butchie. I mean, 105 points last year for Butchie in Boston was no slouch, you know? <laughs> and, and so all of these guys, whenever somebody says, oh, why do they keep kind of, you know, throwing the guys over and over and over again? The same guys are getting the jobs. Well, you know what? The same guys are pretty darn good coaches, and it takes a lot of experience and a lot of presence to be coaches in the NHL. And so all of these, the guys that we're just talking about, have done a phenomenal job of getting the attention of their team and, and kind of turning things around. Obviously, the, uh, the ideal path here for the for the Knights, I think fans would be, be to see them beat Dallas in the Western Conference Final, and then the Rangers in the in the Stanley yeah. Cup Final. That'd be fun. But is You're anybody going right gonna... through all the coaches? Aren't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is anybody going to beat the Bruins though? Is everybody just playing for second place? No, I don't think so. I think the pressure's on the Bruins. To be honest with you, I mean the pressure's on Toronto because they made all these moves, gave up all their picks, and uh, you know, and and but Toronto's got to play Tampa Bay, so. You know the first pre- the first amount of pressure is on Toronto because they got to get beyond Tampa Bay. Um, pressure is going to be on Boston in the first round because they're going to play the eighth place team. And we saw what happened. I don't know what it was four years ago, maybe that Tampa Bay had the best record in the NHL. They blew everybody away. They were very similar in a very similar position that Boston is right now. And they ran into who? The Columbus Blue Jackets. And they lost in four straight to Columbus and, and Sergei Bobrovsky. So what, what I'm saying is there's no easy path. And especially for a team that's floating through the regular season like Boston, they're going to play the eighth-place team that's been clawing and they've been digging and they've been doing everything in their power to get into the playoffs. So they're going to be in playoff mode. Can Boston get themselves in the playoff mode once the, once the playoffs actually begin after a great regular season? Yeah, Nice Bru- Bruins would be pretty fun Stanley Cup final, too, I think. It would be phenomenal. <laughs> actually, I'll be, I'll be doing uh, some studio work, I believe, on TNT for the final, and I, w- I wouldn't mind that one bet. Nice. I'll try, to, I'll try to float off every one of Bruce Cassidy's old country clubs so I can play golf between, <laughs> between them. That would be perfect. Darren, that was awesome. Thank you so much, especially on short notice. We really appreciate it. My pleasure. Have a great night, guys. Enjoy Barbie. He's a wonderful guy. Are we the only... I, I just kept thinking with all the nicknames, because uh, I know radio shows do have nicknames, but like behind the scenes, are we like the only radio show that has no yeah. nicknames like sports teams? Because now we've got Barbie, Marshy, Butchie. He called Cassidy Butchie well, a hockey, bunch of times. Hockey is... Well, basketball is the same way and baseball is the worst. I think hockey is the worst. You think it is? Because everybody has to have something E. It has to end in an E sound. Right, I mean, I guess if you guys, I think it'll make you guys uncomfortable if you just go with Stevie. That's Chandler Stevenson. No, I meant for me. Is that weird? Yeah. Is that well, weird for you guys? It's already Chandler Stevenson. You can't have it. He's Stevie. Stevie. I think I need to know all of the all of the E names, and we're just going to go with that, and we'll never mention someone's full name. We can do it. Michael is what? Ikey or Jackie? I think Jackie. Is it? Yeah. I love it. Four o'clock hours on the way. We're going to talk bracketology, Mountain West Conference with Joe Lenardi and uh, lots more NFL to get back to here on a Monday. Cool.